Welcome to the Oddcast, brought to you by the Odyssey NFT Experience, seeking to deliver value to creators, collectors, DeFi natives, and DGENs. Every episode, we will speak with personalities across the space about all things NFT in an effort to celebrate, explore, and educate about the many facets of this incredible creator economy. I'm your host, Flame, and I'm here with a promise to keep it interesting, uplifting, and always odd. Let's get into it. We are here to first and foremost celebrate the artists and innovators from all corners of the space within the Odyssey community and beyond. There will be news, there may be alpha, but there will be nothing that should ever be mistaken for financial advice. Always, always, always DYOR friends. And with that, let's get to our next incredible guest of the Oddcast, Amber Vittoria. Amber Vittoria is a very well-known multi-platform artist whose signature work has captivated a throng of followers and collectors in addition to other artists and personalities across the space. You can find her work in the form of NFTs, prints, merch, clothing, and soon her first book of her own collected artworks and poetry. First of all, thank you so much, Amber, for taking the time to chat with me today. Definitely been looking forward to it. For people who aren't aware, although I think that's becoming harder and harder, at least for people who occupy this space. Would you mind introducing yourself and giving uh, a little background on who you are as a person and an artist, whatever you feel like sharing? Yeah. So my name is Amber Vittoria and I am an artist and poet and I've been in work in New York City. I've been here for about a decade and uh, my husband and I are actually moving to Los Angeles at the end of the year. So my little residency here will be coming to a close soon. Um, my work is abstract painting, um, sometimes also digital work, depending on the idea behind the piece and also poetry. And overall, all of my pieces ladder up to celebrating the nuances of being a woman in this world and emotions and being a human being. Wonderful. And I think that's one of the things that really drew me to your work. You know, there are so many artists in the space now, which I love, and definitely some very distinct and unique personalities. And that was one thing that I noticed about your work right away. First of all, you have visual art, but then often, if not always, it is in tandem with poetry that you write. And when I started to dig deeper and look into your history as an artist, uh, I discovered the origins of that seem to draw from female empowerment, body positivity, and a whole host of other really wonderful things that you celebrate and encourage as an artist. What motivated you to really amplify that as part of your platform as a creator? Yeah, I would say the reason why the content of all of my work, you know, uh, ladders up to that is because... I guess I would, I was always a confident child, but then as I got into young adulthood, I started to become a bit more self-conscious. And I think that's a combination of a few things. I think being on social media, uh, Facebook started to become more prevalent when I was in high school and then Instagram shortly after college for me. Instagram was around before I actually got on it. Um, and then from there, Snapchat, TikTok, so on and so forth. And seeing other people share their highlight reels, myself included, comparing your real and full life to someone else's highlight reel was something that I struggled with. That paired with um, when I would go to different museums while in college, uh, it was really tough to you know, see all this artwork painted by men, usually of women. I just felt like I couldn't really relate not only to the women 
depicted in the artwork itself, but also the fact that there weren't really any women within these museums. Also paired with the fact after I graduated, my first job out of school was at like a lingerie company where we were, you know, photoshopping and editing imagery for their website and looking at a particular type of woman and not resembling what that looks like also struck a chord. So I wanted to make work that I could resonate with and I could see myself in. So that first started off as figurative work. And then as I, you know, grew and evolved as an artist, that became more abstract and more about the emotional aspect of being a woman. That's awesome. And I, you know, learned about your work, I think first from the alphabet series that you did that you released on. Oh uh, yeah. About a year ago, almost yeah. to the date, maybe like in a week or so, <laughs> a week or so a year ago. Yeah. Yeah. I just love the color palette. I love the way that you work with color. And I also hadn't seen anybody take on that style in terms of what felt like, oh, this is sort of inspired on some level by a graphic design background, but it goes so far beyond that. And then I started to dig deeper, like I said, and you know, going back to some of your early work, which is so much different in some ways visually, and really, really speaks to that powerful message of body positivity and self-care and self-love and celebrating who you are as a human being and as a woman. I just thought it was amazing that you cover all this different ground, not only in terms of message, but stylistically. What are your favorite styles that you're experimenting with now? I mean, I, I see different things, similar things, different mediums. What are you working on right now that excites you the most? I like that you're able to kind of dig back into my older work. I would say even though I the transition from figurative to abstract, um, a lot of abstract artists have done, uh, I would say that the thread between everything I've done is the fact that I use color and form to tell a story. And whether that story is about my life or the life of someone I know or um, what I would hope my life to be like, uh, that I always use color and form throughout all of that work, even though it looks different. So it's great that you were able to pick up on that. Um, I would say currently, I love painting with acrylics. Um, I have a design and printmaking background, so that's also probably why you see those references in there as well. I definitely have the mind of a graphic designer having gone to school for it, um, but then also being trained in oil painting. I paint with acrylic now just because oil painting in a tiny New York apartment, probably not the smartest thing for your health long-term, mm. um, but that's okay. Uh, but I would say experimenting with um, acrylic paint and then also squeegeeing that paint across the page it's like a really beautiful combination of printmaking painting and then design and all those three things are three things that i love and have studied in the past so i feel like that's how they've come together over time um also same thing with press paint uh that's very similar to doing like a mono print like you would do in printmaking uh but with paint on paper instead of ink uh, so that's something that i've been really loving to experiment with also spray paint Spray paint's also kind of tough in New York City in terms of painting. So I have uh, like water-based spray paint. My friend Jason Naylor, he's another incredible artist. He does like large spray painted murals and he always calls my spray paints kitty spray paints. And I was like, hey, eventually when I move to Los Angeles, it'll uh, I'll use the real stuff outside and not, you know, damage my lungs. Um, but playing with different types of forms within a medium is something that really excites me because then it can help me 
find nuances that I want to put into the story behind the piece. And then that usually informs the poetry that I make afterwards. Well, that makes sense. And I think nuance is really a key word here because there is nuance, you know, and even when you're presented with a written word that informs you, I guess, sort of what it is that, you know, you're thinking when you're creating and viewing this piece and the message that you want to put across. One thing that I love that you've been doing lately is that you've been asking other people what they see. You're giving your audience an opportunity to sort of weigh in on what they see and, and maybe that helps inform your work. I don't know. But I think it's a really cool interactive element. Usually I have the poem written before I share that because I always, the reason why I started pairing my poetry with my paintings is because not everybody is used to looking at abstract artwork and it can be kind of intimidating, you know, looking at something that's so abstract and your mind's like, what am I supposed to be seeing? Um, so I always like to pair poetry with it because then it gives someone a starting point. It's like, okay, this is what was going through her mind while she was making this. But I also like sharing the paintings without that poem just to see how other people feel. And it's really lovely to be able to see some people are like, it looks like a pizza or it mm. looks like a bird. And then people are, I'd say there's more literal interpretations like that. But then there are also a lot of more emotional interpretations where they're like, I feel like this is my journey of growth. A, it helps me learn about folks that either have collected my work or want to collect my work or have followed me on social media for a while and get to connect with them in a way through my artwork. Um, but then it's also really fun to see how we can all look at the same thing and pull something differently from it. Totally. And how has that connection been for you? I mean, I know that you have a very storied journey that you've talked about, I think, extensively. So I'm not going to put you on the spot and ask you to, you know, bust out your entire resume in this <laughs> conversation. But I know that you started out, you know, like many artists, working for other people and creating art for other people commercially and have really worked incredibly hard to transition to a place where you can safely say that you work for yourself. How do you feel now that that's more or less the case, what the connection has been like with uh, your audience of art appreciators and collectors now that you spend so much time in the digital space, especially with respect to NFTs? I'd say in the beginning, it was some, it was a little bit of a learning curve because when I would do commercial work, and I still do commercial work, um, I just get to be a little more selective with what work I take on, which is really lovely. Um, it was easier for me to form boundaries, you know, client artist boundaries. It's like, this is the scope. This is what you're getting for um, the brief that you submitted to me. Here's an overarc of my process and we, everything is agreed upon, signed, contracted. So it's a lot easier to put in boundaries when a client tries to take advantage. Not that that happens too often, but it does happen. Um, so when I started to share and sell my work, um, as NFTs, you're, even though you're always dealing with people when you're dealing with individuals that are collecting your work because there's an emotional connection to it, it's a lot different than when you're working with a client. Obviously, a client has an emotional connection to your work and the work that you're making together, but I feel like that pivot for me was something that was a bit of a learning curve, especially when folks get upset that they weren't able to collect a piece because it sold out before they could get to it or they had a failed transaction. And I feel like people feel more open to be like, oh man, this sucks, forgetting that I am also a person. And you know, when I see that, of course I want, you know, when I sell my work to be as seamless as possible. So it's definitely still a balance. So I try to be as open and as myself as I can be online and 
that has brought a lot of positives. I've been able to befriend a lot of people that have collected my work, especially the ones that live near me. But then I would say the learning curve for me is still also knowing when to put up boundaries when I need to. So be like, hey, y'all, I'm a human being doing the best that I can. I will continue to make work and share work. Sorry that you weren't able to get it this time. So I think that it's hard. You have to put up softer boundaries with individuals because there is that emotional element um, than if you were to do it with a client. So that's something that I would say I'm still learning, but I just try to remind myself that if I show up as who I am, then that's all I can ask myself of. Yeah. Well, I think you're doing a great job. And I also like that you're very expressive about boundaries because one thing that I think is becoming more and more of a trend is people needing to self-advocate in the space because it's a new environment for artists. It's a new environment for collectors. I think NFTs, because of crypto, have onboarded a lot of people who appreciate art who weren't maybe necessarily uh, looking at it in the same way in the traditional art world, if at all. And because of crypto and because of you know the market boom of NFTs last year and that digital gold rush, entitlement has become a thing that I think people have learned how to navigate or need to learn how to navigate whether it be, you know, what they expect from a mint, what they expect from a collection, what they expect from an artist's output, and what they expect from where an artist participates in terms of platforms and what they're willing to be okay with, whether it's, you know, sacrificing royalties or not sacrificing royalties. How do you feel about all those dynamics? I know that you've been very outspoken in a very polite and conscientious way, but still very outspoken which I think is super cool. Like what issues right now do you feel like are most prevalent in terms of making sure that artists are protected and get treated the way they should be? It's weird that you say that. I was actually chatting with someone that works at X2Y2 earlier today. And um, we were just kind of like brainstorming exactly what you just asked. Uh, I would say that the great thing about being early to a space is that you get to help inform it. Um, and the opportunity cost of that is, you know, sometimes that not everything works out uh, to plan because things are kind of clunky. It's kind of like connecting to the Internet back in the 90s when your mom's on the phone and you're like, I was just aiming my friend. What the heck, mom? So I feel like that's kind of the level that we're at with NFTs right now. It's a little clunky. Sometimes the Internet plugin doesn't work and you just connect your mom from her phone call. Um, so for artists, I think that it's really important that we start to realize that NFTs could represent more than just a digital asset. That asset could be artwork, that asset could be an access pass to a conference or a concert, and that's just what it is. Uh, that can be a storytelling element. It could be like a seed fund for a new company that wants to build both in Web3 and outside of it. So. I think right now we all conflate all of these things as, as NFTs. And as time goes on, I think things will get more specific. So in terms of the royalties, um, and when I was chatting with someone on X2Y2 earlier, that was something I brought up. It's like, I think there are some people that speculate on artwork and uh, you know that's good for them, but art usually is something that takes a long time to appreciate. And so if you're looking at it to invest, like that's 100% on you and shouldn't really be put on the artist if it doesn't turn out the way you hoped it would. Uh, but then again, for projects, uh, like I'm not a project lead or a project founder, some projects may want that flexibility where their community votes on their royalty is based off of their performance and their roadmap. So my hope is that 
within the next few, hopefully a few months, few years, we'll have more technology built into the contracts themselves where artists can say, hey, this has to be an enforceable royalty for my work in perpetuity. I only want my work to be sold on these platforms. And if the royalties aren't honored, then the NFT gets burned or whatever the artist wants to do. Um, and then same thing for projects. If projects are more flexible or more strict, like I think that the transparency within the code itself will be really helpful, not only for the artist or creator to have ownership over how their work is sold on the secondary market, but then also more transparency for the folks collecting and or speculating on that work where they could see, okay, I'm agreeing to all these terms that this creator wants to put within their work. So that is my hope. I definitely think we'll get there. Again, right now, I just think we're in that like dial up phase of the internet with NFTs and it's going to take a lot of work to get there. But I do think if we're going to have more and more people transact on the blockchain, put, you know, life tokens or forever tokens, I forget the name of it now, um, on the blockchain with like personal information, I do think that the technology has to um, has to be as secure and transparent as possible. And uh, that's the exciting part about being early is that we get to kind of help inform those decisions and hopefully make those as equitable as we can. Well, I appreciate you speaking out about that. You know, I totally understand the importance and the value of, as an artist, the ability to make a living creating your art. You know, one of the things that I continue to vocally celebrate about the space is that NFTs and digital art really in the right arenas are trying to take starving out of the artist equation, you know, and that's so appropriate because there's no reason why great art, you know, can't be a way for a great artist to make a living while they're actually alive. And this so seems true. to be for many people now becoming that situation, but in the same vein, you see artists who are seeing some success and developing an audience increase their output, but collectors are getting upset because they're saying, well, now you're going to dilute the market value of this yeah, special that's piece. Such that that's such a fun conversation. I think too, that like, um, some of the folks that I would say none of only a handful of my collectors have like genuinely asked my opinion on that, not like accusing me of anything, but I would say that folks that do say that to artists, I, um, I'm not usually a gambling person, but I would say that they probably haven't studied art history in the sense that um, of how output of several very famous artists that have since passed. So uh, I, you, I try to tell artists, like, don't concern yourself with that. Yeah. You're already living within a finite amount of time and you're only going to make a finite amount of work. People that want to speculate on your work and make you know, thousands of dollars within a few months, like that's more like a flash in the pan. And, uh, you know, your overall output isn't going to affect that. Uh, with that said, some artists do enjoy that market aspect of creation and of sharing their work. Um, but that's something that I don't concern myself with. Uh, I know some artists too will be like, well, I don't mint everything. And I was like, I don't think any artist mints everything that they make. That would be so, <laughs> that would be a lot of labor, a lot of minting labor. Um, but the thing is like, as we've seen with, you know, some estates that currently have controlled the IP of artists that have already passed, like even if it's not minted, it, but it's made and they could prove the provenance that you made it while you were alive down the road, they will probably figure out a way to mint it and sell it anyway. Um, even if that is against your wishes. So I, I think that the whole idea of um, 
the amount of work that you make and you put out into the world and the scarcity of it, uh, a lot of that is out of your control. So I would say that you're only alive once. If art brings you joy, make art and it'll work out the way it's supposed to. I think that telling artists to limit themselves so collectors can profit in a shorter amount of time seems counter to the entire idea of the creation of art. So um, that's usually what I tell people too. And I also tell folks that collect my work is like, please, please, please collect my work. Like you would collect a limited edition screen print or a risograph or painting and try to do it with money that you are okay with spending like you would spend on, you know, a physical piece. So you know, that level set I think has helped me in this space. Um, because it's a struggle to have people tell you like, Hey, you should make less so I can make more money off of you. It's a very, very odd thing. And then, um, also collectors don't realize the, you know, the more that you put yourself out there, whether it's collaborating with different brands or, you know, making artwork that will be NFTs as like a token pass. I just did that with lifeboat. Um, it gets your name out there in front of people that you may not otherwise have met or may not have otherwise found out about you. So it's this balance that I feel like artists, you know, will start to struggle with if they listen to the folks that say make less. Um, so I try not to, I try not to let that resonate with me and just make as much as I feel like I need to make to make myself happy. I think that's a very healthy outlook and a very healthy way to be. And I think, you know, there are plenty of people in the space who are, very good at reminding us and I'm working hard to remind myself about the importance of self-care. It's really easy, regardless of what your background or your interest is, uh, to be involved in this space and forget all kinds of things that are good for you, but also things that are good for other people. I just really appreciate you being a, an advocate for all of that positivity. And I think it's really cool, you know, that you know, X2Y2 has been part of that conversation about, hey, what about artists? What about royalties? And the fact that you're having a conversation with them about how to improve that, I think it speaks well for them, but I think it also speaks well that instead of just writing them off, you're willing to have a conversation. And I think conversations like that are really the key to a healthy evolution of what, for a lot of us, is a home away from home that we never knew we were looking for. When I started getting into crypto Twitter and especially started paying attention to NFT Twitter and then really started plugging into artists as creators Twitter, it changed my daily outlook because all of a sudden I'm plugged into this steady stream of art and creativity and passionate outlooks on people making stuff and having people receive it and this whole connected community that seems to be very tight and constantly expanding. And I think the more we talk about how to take care of one another, whether we're collectors or innovators or artists or whatever, it only can make the space better. But the important part of that, to me, the most important part is that, in my opinion, the creators who are the bedrock, you know, the true foundation of a marketplace for art, the, the space can only be better if we know how to care for them. Exactly. I think that's the important thing. Um, that's why I was surprised that XTY2 <laughs> wanted to chat. Um, that's great. Yeah, it was great because I was like, yeah, sorry, is uh, a little snarky. And they're like, no, no, no. <laughs> they're like, we, you know, we could probably rolled that out a little bit better than we did. But um, I think it's one of those things that like 
especially for artists and for creators that want to because when we say creators we're bucketing everyone together individual artists yeah. people that want to build a project and or company um you know people that want to artists that want to provide utility with their work like there are a lot of these nuances that um hopefully that the idea of royalties will push the technology in a direction where yeah we we all get to decide the creators get to decide what is right for them and then it's transparent enough for those that want to collect and or invest decide if the risk reward is worth it for them because right now it's all kind of muddy um but yeah i think that's same thing with my twitter experience i uh I didn't use Twitter for a long time because, you know, you get a news feed of like everything negative happening in the world <laughs> very quickly. And you're like, oh, my goodness, I definitely became very defeatist in um, mindset. And then when I started to um, sell NFTs and then meet people and collect NFTs and collect art from other artists, it like all of a sudden, you know, my experience on that on Twitter became a lot more exciting and fulfilling. And um, so I, I parallel that with you, too. That's been probably the best thing is to be able to meet people that love art. And even if the art that they love is different than the art that I love, like you get to still like nerd out on why you love the work that you've found or collected. And I think that's been really cool because I haven't really seen that outside of, you know, going to art school. So it's nice to be able to see that on a grander scale. Yeah, that's a cool perspective. And you have some really cool friendships and uh, collaborative relationships with some other big names in the space. Gary V, Sarah Bauman from Women and Weapons, Betty from Deadfellas, Bobby Hundreds. It's no surprise to me that you have cool friends. I mean, that kind of speaks to who you are as a human being as well. But in terms of community and, you know, these friendships and these collaborations and these in-person events like uh, VCon and NFT NYC, how do you feel about that whole world and how it's sort of grown into, I guess, its own new uh, culture for people who make art and people who love to collect it and be a part of that world? That's a great question. I It's funny because someone DM me earlier today um, on behalf of an artist friend of theirs asking like, oh, well, you know, how does an artist find success if they don't know people that are already prominent in the space? And my answer to that was like, it's not because you know one person that has a lot of followers. It's because of the work that you put in every single day and the love that you put within into the work that it's itself. I feel like a lot of times, and I fall for this too, um, you know, you see someone like have this quote unquote overnight success. And it's like, that was a long ass night that was compiled of several years mm -hmm. <laughs> to get to that point. And success is always ongoing. So I feel like in terms of, um, the friends that I've made, I mean, I'm very fortunate to have worked at Gary's company when I was in my early 20s. Um, and then for Sarah, I met Sarah because Gary put her on his Twitter account saying that he loved her work. We both happened to be at, um, it was like, we called it NFT Basel because I didn't actually go to the art Basel, but we happened to both be in Miami. And I was like, hey, want to get food? And she's like, sure. So like, her and her husband and me and my husband got food and then like we just became instant friends since and then um betty i've only met once but dead fellows was i believe after the punk that my husband and i bought was the first like pfp i don't even think we called it that back then but mm -hmm. first pfp project that i bought because i really loved the little zombies and i thought they were really cool and that was one of the ones i could afford <laughs> um and just seeing how they've grown a community and how they really tap into art 
um, has been exciting. And then um, meeting Bobby was wild. I've been a friend, a fan of the hundreds for a while. And um, I met him and we chatted on DM lightly, but like I met him at VCon. And I like, I have not fangirled before in my life <laughs> to my knowledge, but I just like froze. And he's like, yeah, we're nice to meet you. Give me a hug. And I just like froze. And my husband was like, that was, uh, that was not your best moment. <laughs> so <laughs> Um, but it's just been really cool to, to answer your question, um, to have those in-person events now that hopefully the pandemic is starting to um, quiet down a bit. Uh, I know it's still very prevalent, but to be able to meet people in person, I think has been really fun. Um, I definitely struggled with like social anxiety before the pandemic. And, um, you know, I don't know if it's a combination of, you know, being holed up in my home for several years paired with therapy. Um, but being able to just be myself and meet cool people is awesome. Um, I would say that like for anyone that like goes to different events, like if you see someone that you think is cool, like go say hi, worst case scenario, they're not into it. And then you just walk away and that's fine. And that's happened to me too. And you're like, Oh, okay. Um, so I think that that's been the joy of these in-person, um, hangouts too, is because you get to meet people that you've chatted with online and you all have this shared interest and we're all, you know, it's a cliche now. It's like, we're all early, but we're early enough where I feel like we're all kind of in this together and creating this thing together. So to be able to meet in person and, you know, build friendships when you do see each other in person has been probably the best part, I would say for me. Yeah. I think it's one of the things that I find to be really appealing as well, because a lot of artists are introverts, not all. There's plenty of extroverted artists out there, but you know, a lot of people that were drawn to crypto in the first place were introverts. And the more I hear about how well most people treat one another, you know, I mean, it, it, it's a two-way street, obviously, but I think it's really been a huge game changer for a lot of people who are normally otherwise like, no, nah, I don't want to go to a conference. That sounds crazy. Like, you know, and also these conferences, there's so much going on, like that you can actually attend versus the side stuff too. So it's really like, it, it seems like there's something for everybody and it's really cool to hear your take on, you know, how that has, uh, affected you in a positive way and, you know, allowed you to feel comfortable, uh, as someone who maybe isn't, you know, a raging extrovert, which I think a lot of us can identify with at least some, yeah, not, most of the time. Yeah. It's like definitely introverted when mm -hmm. I took that personality test yeah. for sure. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's been, it's been really wonderful. Um, so hopefully as the space grows, you know, we'll be able to continue to keep that, I guess, intimacy for lack of a better term, as more people join the space and people just feel comfortable being themselves. I think that's probably the most important part just because in other spaces that I've been in, that's really hard. I feel like sometimes it feels like a performance. Um, but so far I feel like at least my experiences, um, within this web three space, both online and in person have, I, I never feel like I've had to perform or anything like that. So that's been, that's been really refreshing. It definitely takes an energy load off for sure. <laughs> that's so good to know, especially because like I was thinking about how could I pull off NFT NYC? And it was easy for me to talk myself out of it. I mean, logistically, it just wasn't going to work out, but it was sort of kind of easy for me to talk myself out of it because I kept thinking, well, it's going to be work. But then I get okay. myself in those situations and I'm like, it's the complete opposite. When you're around good people, it, 
it's it's easy yeah i would say the only tough thing about new york is like if you don't know new york well like navigating to everywhere can be expensive like i know a few of my friends like i'm just gonna cab everywhere i was like yeah i'm gonna take it that way <laughs> you do you though um but uh i would say that's why i really love vcon because everything was in that stadium um you just like go to the stadium and then they were like everything to do is in the stadium and it, you you got your like day's worth of steps in for sure but like um to not have to like bop around a city was pretty nice that it was all consolidated. So I think that was pretty cool. Um, I've only been to NFT NYC. I did some stuff for the Art Basel in December when Coinbase had some pop-ups um, and then VCon. So when we move to LA next year, I'm hoping to do um, NFT LA, uh, but I'll probably be that person that's very lost and will only pick a few things and that's okay. Uh, but it's always nice to be able to meet new people at these events yeah for sure and there's so many happening all the time now so i feel like there's so much opportunity to get out there and meet people and figure out how you fit into the space which is really cool i would obviously be very very remiss to not get into the book that you are releasing which looks so cool can you please tell me about the book itself about the artwork the poetry and the really really cool gary v inspired utility of purchasing these books yeah, definitely Gary be inspired. I have to message him and be like, thanks for the idea, but not as complicated as book games because obviously Gary has a lot bigger following than me. Um, so I'm really excited that I get to publish a book of my artwork and of my poetry. Um, writing a book has been a dream of mine since I was younger. In uh, first grade, we'd have parents come in and we'd do those like fill in the blank type storybooks that you could color and then they would like, spiral bound and laminate for you and ever since then i was like i want to write a book i had no idea what it would be about <laughs> when i was eight but that's okay um so the book is called these are my big girl pants it is being published with andrews mcneil and it's scheduled to come out january 3rd um tentatively if a supply chain stays on time if not sometime in early january um, and the pre-sale is available now which is exciting because apparently pre Pre-orders are very important for books. This is my first go around, but that's what folks tell me. Um, but the book itself is comprised of different paintings and poems. Um, some of them that have been already published and shown online, and then majority of them are works that I have not yet shared. And I think that's the most exciting part. And even though I didn't realize this while I was making the book, once I finished it, you kind of see my transition from abstract figurative work to fully abstract work. So the theme going into making the book was the idea of coming of age and growing a bit older and transitioning as a person, just going through, you know, getting older and what that means emotionally. So um, I didn't realize my work was also transitioning as I was making that book. So I think that it was, it's a really nice capture of the progress of an artist as they evolve. I feel like a lot of times when gallery shows curate or museums curate artists work it's usually works that are most well known um, and works that show like their iconic quote-unquote style you know throughout their entire life but I really like that this first book captures that transition period um, which I you know we don't really get to see from other artists um, unless they purposely do it themselves so really excited about that um, and then similar to Gary, but far less complicated, um, I'm still putting it together. So the details for the redemption 
will come soon. But the idea is if folks pre-order one book, they'll be entered into a raffle for a one-of-one one piece of mine. Um, but if they buy 10 books or increments of 10 books, they'll be guaranteed a one-of-X edition. The edition size is still TBD. It'll depend on how many folks uh, enter with the 10 books. Um, but those are kind of the two brackets. And uh, so, for example, someone pre-orders 25 books and gives it to every family member they have, um, they would get two editions and then they'd be entered 25 times for a one-of-one. -one. So um, hopefully it's simple enough for folks and that uh, it encourages them to, you know, buy and gift the book. So I'm really excited for it. But all the details on how to like send that info to me, I'm still working on. So that'll come out in the next few weeks. Yeah, that makes sense. I know it's probably tricky with pre-orders and, you know, wanting to make sure that you get all that handled right. I know it was a huge, huge undertaking for Gary. I know that I think that he has a massive following, so I don't think that'll be an issue for me. But my tentative plan is to, I mean, you, if you search, these are my big girl pants in Amber Victoria, it'll pop up pretty much on any online bookseller for the most part to nice. pre-order, which is exciting. So I'm just telling people to like take a screenshot of their receipt. Um, but for me, it'll probably just be a simple Google form, how many books they ordered, their wallet address that they would, you know, if they win what all that will look like, and then a screenshot of their receipt. And then the goal is on Valentine's Day or slightly before Valentine's Day to have those all airdropped um, to the folks that win and then also sell a few pieces. So it's kind of like a Valentine's Day celebration. The book will be out. People will have the book, things like that. So um, I'm pretty excited about it. Yeah, me too. I think the timing's really great. And it doesn't stop and start with well, now you've got this book coming out, but you've also contributed artwork to other books that you yep. can find online. And you've contributed to clothing via your own t-shirt, as well as some really cool uh, Atom Bomb Squad stuff from Bobby Hundreds. I have that shirt on right now, actually. <laughs> so rad. The artwork's so rad. I was so bummed when I found out that the crew neck sold out, um, but happy for people who got it. And uh, hopefully one shows up on eBay or somewhere else, Grailed or something somewhere. <laughs> That's I'll keep an eye out for, yeah, I was like, cool. well, I should have got more than one for myself. That was dumb. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'll let you know if I see any. And then the other thing that people may not know about are these really great pins that you guys sell, you and your husband, online. I'm like a merch fiend, it turns out. I'm very similar. <laughs> That's why I like, but the other reason why I like doing things like pins or I have, um, I'm doing a sock collab. The exciting thing about merch for me is I know that at, certain points in my life obviously I've always loved art but it's really tough to afford art especially uh, unique paintings or you know editions of pieces especially if they're limited and signed or screen printed with multiple colors and um, the one way that I have loved being a consumer but then also being an artist is putting my artwork on things that also have other uses so whether it's candles or socks or pins or t-shirts people can you know collect art and have art in their lives in a way that feels a little bit um has a little bit more utility to it so um, that's why i also love merch because it's something that um you know everyone does need a t-shirt at some time or you know candles are also nice or everyone likes socks so little ways that people could bring artwork into their lives um, is something that i'm always drawn to so that's why I too love the merch. <laughs> totally. And it's also a really cool way to stay and create connectivity. You know, like when I have a physical something from an artist whose digital artwork I are, I may own 
I just feel more connected to the digital artwork that I've collected and it makes me appreciate the physical thing more. Same. I think that's a really cool phenomenon that I haven't really seen outside of like musical stuff up until now. And, you know, I know you sure. sell prints, which I think is a really cool thing that you can get a print of your work, even if you weren't able to collect the NFT. So it still feels personal, right? Like it's still not like a right click print. It's still something that you purchased from the artist that you get to own and display. Like I think just from a business standpoint, but you know, so far beyond that in terms of aesthetics and, and care for your community, uh, you really are covering so much amazing ground. And I, I just hope that people, uh, if they're curious about how to do things, they look to you and, and see what you're doing because there's so many cool lessons to be learned from you. And I know that you've also been really open about just helping people who ask for advice. So hopefully those people can find their way to your discord and collect your work and ask you questions there too. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. Well, I appreciate you. And I really appreciate you taking the time today. I'm so thrilled for you. I'm so excited about the book. If there's anything else I can do to help uh, get the word out about anything, please feel free to let me know anytime. And uh, definitely going to keep an eye on all the work that you continue to put out because it never ceases to amaze. I appreciate that. Thank you so much for having me. My pleasure. That was truly an honor and a privilege. The level of authenticity is really tough to match and Amber sets the bar very high in a myriad of ways. Her book is available for pre-order now. Her NFTs can be found on multiple platforms. All links available in the podcast description. We have another great guest lined up for our next episode. Please don't miss it. You'll be able to find it along with all other episodes wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Thank you for continuing to support Odyssey, art, and innovation. See you soon.